welcome back to the Second and Two podcast. I'm your host, TB, and I'm joined by my co-host, producer extraordinaire today, Jody. What's up, Joe? Sir, we're back. I know you had some trouble the last couple days. I mean, dude, the, the storms, it was storming out here, yeah. knocking out the Wi-Fi, but we're back. Wi-Fi's back. I've, I've rejoined the earth as we know it. <laughs> how, I was how living was in the, the Stone uh, Ages. How, what, like, what was going on outside your house? Like, how was that looking? So, I mean, there was a few nights ago, there was a huge storm. It just got really windy and it stormed for a little bit and it knocked out the power for like, yeah, maybe 10, 15 minutes. It wasn't too crazy. Uh And then the storm kind of passed. The storm only came through for like maybe an hour. Uh huh. But like, it got really crazy for like a 10, 15 minute period where it knocked out the power. We didn't have power for like 15 minutes, and then it and then it was fine. The problem was the Wi-Fi never came back. Just like, <laughs> yeah, for real. Just, just the Wi-Fi was knocked out. We didn't have any Wi-Fi. That was the real problem. We didn't have any Wi-Fi for like two days. Uh-huh. So it was um it was actually it was actually um sort of interesting functioning without Wi-Fi because you were like, okay, so what do we do? Um, <laughs> yeah, especially if you, you realize- don't have cable, like. Dude, you, you, realize, you can't watch a single streaming service. You realize how reliant that th- on that. Th- so it was like, all right. So I'll give you a couple of seconds. Of, this is totally unrelated to our podcast. Yeah. But since you asked, I'll give you thirty seconds of a good story uh, of some funny stuff. So number one, you know, yeah, you can't stream anything. Yep. Um, then you go on and you're like, oh, you know, my dad even said he's like, you want to play some Xbox? I was like, all right, yeah, let's play some Xbox. You know, like I'm staying with my parents right now and yeah. the time being. Um, I was hanging out with my dad and we're like, all right, yeah, let's play some Xbox. So we get on there. And of course, every game that you don't have the physical disc for, you got to be connected yeah. to online to yep. to play. And then it was like, oh, okay, well, we do have this game. Okay, let's put it in. Oh, it's not downloaded on yeah. the Xbox. And guess oh, what? No. Wi Fi to download the 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 game on the onto the <laughs> Xbox to even play yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, so you just went through all this stuff and we're like, wow, you can't even like play a game on the xbox without wi-fi nowadays like you literally it's like almost impossible and then uh we found this old stack of dvds that he still has that haven't been they were like dusty you know and it was like well (laughs) glad you have these like literally our xbox was became a dvd DVD player for a couple days and just watched like old (laughs) movies that we had on dvd that's all we could watch it was uh pretty funny ended up doing a puzzle oh how many pieces to pass the time thousand piece mosaic Ooh. real tough let me yeah, tell you sounds like it yeah um so that was the last couple of days for me and then today we were restored to regular <laughs> times and it was yeah. like oh this is what it was like yeah so um interesting couple of days here <laughs> yeah we'll say at least on the good side of things you had uh your lights up and everything you know because if you didn't have mm-hmm. that then it's like you got to bust out some candles you got to figure out what you're doing with your food yeah, or some yeah. light even, you know, like some uh, definitely lights with some batteries in there. That's crazy, man. <laughs> one, one last note before we get into these teams in the NFC North, I will say if you had a 360 or like a PlayStation like two, you, you could get those things rolling that's, quick. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one that you. That's when you need that exactly. That's when you need that. Yeah, the the Xbox. I don't know. I think they have the X or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. They, the they one got the, and the X, those are the newer ones. Yeah, yeah, and they have a PS 
four or something like yeah, that. Five, I mean, bro. but like the newest. five, five. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. See, you, as you can tell, <laughs> not a huge gamer over here. Yeah. Um, yeah makes sense. But, uh, but when I do, I'm good. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> what, but you, you'd be on what Madden and two uh, K or what? Yeah. A little Madden two K, maybe some halo, some oh. call of duty. I don't know what else. I don't know. My sister had some other games. I can't remember, but those are the games off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, we got we got the NFC North today, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got some tidbits for you. Sure. Let's hear them. Okay. All right. Uh, so number one, Wikipedia says it's nicknamed the Black and Blue Division for the rough and tough rivalry games oh. between the teams. It does lay claim to the oldest rivalry in the NFL, the Bears and the Packers. Yeah, makes sense. The Bears um, currently owned by Aaron Rodgers. Oh, wait. Sorry. Um, He still is. He's just not in Green Bay no more. So, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the uh, so I, I want to point out the Packers have lost in. One, two, three, four. Super Bowls? Is this where we're counting up? Five. Have lost in five of the last six NFC championship games they've gone to. Jeez. Um the only one that they that they won was when they ended mm-hmm. up uh, winning the Super Bowl, yeah. And uh so and that was against the Bears that year. In the NFC oh. Championship, and the Bears actually won the division. They had to go to Chicago. Yeah, but um, so yeah, they've lost actually uh, four straight in 2014, 2016, 2019, and 2020. Wow. So um, the for whatever reason, the Packers just can't quite get past the NFC Championship game. This division is one that has been won. Uh, mostly by the Packers in recent years, but uh, the Vikings won it in 2015, 17, and most recently in 22. The Bears won it in 2018 and 2010. All the other years that I didn't name in this last since 2010 were all dominated by the Packers. Um, In this decade, uh, or in this century, I should say, since since 2000 is where I'm going with the... uh, the Vikings, Bears, and Packers have all won the division, but the Lions have not. Mm. Can you name the last time the Lions won this division? If I had to guess, it was back when Barry Sanders was there, but I don't even know what year that was. And not not a bad guess. We got to go all the way back to 1993. So not quite as bad as maybe the Browns yeah. uh, winning their division, but pretty tough. It's been a while. The Lions also, unfortunately, have one of the longest playoff winning droughts. It's been a uh-huh. while since they won a playoff game. Uh, so th- this is, from that standpoint, interesting division. Um, kind of like with the Browns. Just the Buccaneers. Game. The Buccaneers were a part of this when it was like the NFC Central. And they've won the division more recently than the Lions oh, have. Nice. Uh, in no, yeah, he is that old, but no, uh, in 1999, the Bucks won it. So yeah, this is uh, it's a it's a tough tough division for the Lions. I haven't won it in a while, but 
interestingly enough, going into this year, they are a pretty decent favorite to come in and yeah. maybe win the division. So um, maybe we'll see if they can change their luck this year. I'm sure Lions fans are sitting there really uh, really hoping that's the case, right? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely trending in the right direction for sure. Dan Campbell got in there, gave them some good culture. I would say you could probably compare it to to heat culture at the moment, maybe, you know? Oh, little you Detroit know. culture, huh? Yeah, yeah. Dan Campbell. <laughs> Lion, Lion culture, Motor City, Dan <laughs> Campbell. And speaking of those Lions, that's who we're talking about first. They finished last year at 9-8. and eight. Fun fact, I actually had – I predicted that last year. And, you did? You know, so that was interesting. They, they didn't look like it was going to be pretty off rip, though. They were struggling hard. And they caught some legs. But they finished yeah. second in division, and then they just missed the playoffs with the 98 finish. Oh, it was a heartbreaker. I wanted the Lions in there. Um, yeah, that would have been fun. I, I wanted them to get in instead of Seattle, but they uh, they got <laughs> they, Seattle got in over them. Um, so they did actually lose some interesting veterans this offseason. I think Michael Brockers was a guy that they were, you know, probably you could argue they were paying too much for, for the production he was giving them, but he was, a, I think, a, an interesting part of their kind of rebuild here with Dan Campbell. He was part of the trade that brought Jared Goff over. Um, and so I think, or actually might have been a separate trade if I'm remembering right. Same offseason, though. Um, mm. And a guy that, you know, their GM, Brad Holmes, when he was with the Rams, obviously knew very well, understood he was a, he was a culture setter. Guy who's been in the league for quite some time. And, uh, you know, he came in and I think he gave them a veteran presence. He He's no longer there. They lost safety to Sean Elliott. They traded running back DeAndre Swift as well as lost running back Jamal Williams in free agency. So different running back room. Although I would argue it ends up kind of looking very similar with um, Montgomery and um, and our guy Jameer Gibbs. Um, guys who have kind of similar, like yeah. comparable skill sets to Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Um, they also traded cornerback Jeff Okuda, their first round pick from a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and then they, uh, in addition to that, they lost receiver DJ Chark, linebacker Josh Woods, and cornerback Mike Hughes. Um, but they did add some guys. They added Cam Sutton at corner. Big t- big name in uh, safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, coming off the Super Bowl appearance with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. They added, like I said, running back David Montgomery from in-division rival Chicago. Cornerback Emmanuel Mosley, receiver Marvin Jones, and guard Graham Glasgow. So they did add some pieces that I think will help offset some of the losses. But um, I think where they really made their money this year was in the draft. Yeah, as you mentioned already, they picked up our guy Jameer Gibbs in that first round at the running back position. And they picked up Jack Campbell as well in that first round with their two picks. Which, you know, I think a lot of people, it was um, much criticized. And maybe for good reason, maybe not. I I like both those guys. I think they're both going to be good players. Did you have to draft them when you did? You know, we had this discussion (laughs) on our draft pod. Maybe not. But if you really like two players... I don't mind you. You know, I think a lot of people criticize this Lions draft. I just may be in that minority that I loved it because I love what they did later too. They got tight end Sam Laporta. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just saw, I don't know if you saw this, but they had the tight end you. 
Yeah, with yep. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Did you see what Kittle said about Sam Laporta? Uh, I think. Uh, did Kittle go to Iowa? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, I I seen him on, or I heard him on part of my take. He said that he's a great like he fits that culture for sure. I don't I don't know what you're talking about, but that's yeah, he was he was talking about that, and he said he thinks like they got a steal, and that basically Sam yeah. Laporta he felt like he was one of the better tight ends at tight end you already. And he's definitely going to be the best rookie in that class. And remember, when we scouted the tight ends, I loved the tight end class in general. But Sam Laporte yeah. was a guy we re- we both we really liked him. And um, so I think getting him where they got him, deal. I love Brian Branch mm-hmm. out of yeah. Alabama. I think he's he's a steal where they got him. And then they also got Hendon Hooker, who right oh, now yeah. worst case scenario is a as a backup quarterback for Goff. Best case scenario, he ends up being the quarterback of the future, right? So, like, yeah. I think they got five guys who are all going to contribute at key positions. I know people don't yeah. think of backup quarterback as a key position, but I would tell you it is, you know, yeah. from that standpoint. So even even if Hendon Hooker doesn't play, he's giving you something valuable in terms of depth at quarterback. But um, worst case scenario, you've got four guys, I think, that are all going to start or give you a, at the very worst case like real reps you know and and exactly. campbell branch laporta and and gibbs so um i really like what they did yeah i mean, I forgot they had that many dudes that we talked about so i mean mm-hmm. i just got more juice for those draft editions they picked up and the people that made those decisions were looking at general manager brad holmes uh, of course, we talked about him already. Head coach Dan Campbell, offensive quarter, coordinator Ben Johnson, and then D coordinator being Aaron Glenn. You know, I'd just like to say too here, like, I don't know the last time the Lions went into an offseason and really maintained stability at those four positions. True. GM, head coach, OCDC, right? Yeah. Like it's 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 been a while since you could see this kind of stability for this long in this organization. It's a sign that they're doing things the right way. I think mm-hmm. um, a lot of people were kind of like, ah, I don't know about this Dan Campbell guy when they hired him, <laughs> and he's talking about biting kneecaps and all that, you know. And um, hey, man, let the man live, man. Yeah, you know, I think I think they've done <laughs> some really good stuff. I mean, the fact that they went nine and eight last year. You know, it was awesome, and it feels like they've maybe turned a corner. Obviously, we're in, we can't praise him until he actually does it this year, but it feels like they're getting there. I think them yeah. retaining Ben Johnson oh, this offseason, he flirted with some head coaching opportunities and ultimately decided to stay, I think says a lot, and, and it's that was huge for them. I think um, Aaron Glenn found something later down the stretch of the year that we'll talk about defensively that could be huge for them. So in, in general, I just think they're uh, – they're set to have a much better year. So I'm uh, I'm excited for these Lions, but kind of looking down the depth chart, I, first thing you look at when you know when you look at the Lions, the thing that stands out, their offensive line is is right there with, you know, like the Eagles in the NFC. I think they're oh. they're right there. Um across the board, Taylor Decker at left tackle has just been a solid player for for some time now. They even have Jermaine Fetty backing him up to give them a little depth, a guy who's Experience that played left tackle in the league. Um, Jonah Jackson at left guard, Frank Ragnow at center, and Graham Glasgow, who they picked up in the free agency as a guy who could, you know, be a backup center or swing swing over to guard even. Halai uh, Halai Vatai 
at the other guard. And then Panay Sewell, obviously, has been a monster since Jeez, he came to the league at right tackle. So I just think they have a, a really good front five offensively that allows them to do a lot of things they want to do. Um, obviously, Goff at quarterback has been considerably better than he was in the last year with the Rams. Yeah, um, Nate Sudfeld backing him up as well as Hendon Hooker coming off the ACL um, in the draft, uh, being that third quarterback right now. They have a deep running back room. You know, love David Montgomery coming over from the Bears. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I talked about Gibbs. I know this is why – this is where people are going to say, dude, you use the 12th pick on a running back who's not even going to start because you already paid <laughs> another running back in free agency. I get it. But I think that those two are premier weapons. And you can get both of them on the field in different ways. I think mm-hmm. they will. I think Ben – I trust Ben Johnson – based on what he showed last year to be unique in what he does in terms of getting these guys, the ball and making it worth the 12th overall pick and worth the $6 million they paid David Montgomery in free agency. And I think the way they want to run the football, those guys will get plenty of touches. Both of them. Oh yeah. That's for sure. I also like sneaky uh, name that I like is their third running back. He's a guy came out of Minnesota this year, was a big time name in college football. Um, and that's Mohammed Ibrahim. He's not a guy and a whole lot of people have talked about, but he's a guy that, uh, like I said, at least in terms of an NFL sense, but everyone loved him in college at Minnesota, kind of okay. went under the radar in the draft. Sneaky guy, sneaky name. If either one of those other two guys gets hurt, don't be surprised if Mohammed Ibrahim is a guy who gets some carries. Um, I, I like him. I think he's a good player. I'll have to look him up after this, see what he looks like. Yeah, yeah. So they brought back Marvin Jones Jr. Even though they lost DJ Chark, they sort of replaced him with Marvin Jones, um, bringing him back. He was a one-time De- a Detroit Lion. It left, was win- in Jacksonville. They brought him back. Um, he goes with uh, Sam Laporta at tight end, um, who's replacing, you know, they, tra- they traded Hawkinson last season. Yeah. Now they get Laporta and kind of fill that role. Obviously, the guy who's been awesome, Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot. He's a dude. Khalif Raymond gives him a little depth, backing him up. At the Z, a guy they picked up off waivers last year from Tennessee, but just has great chemistry with Jared Goff. He's another Ram, former Ram. Brad Holmes has made a living in Detroit, bringing in some of these former Ram guys. Um, He's (laughs) been awesome. Josh Reynolds, he loves Goff. Um, He'll be there until Jamison Williams comes back from his suspension. Um, so, and who knows, we'll see what, ha- what, what happens with Jamison Williams. This is two years in a row now, you know, unfortunately for him, first two years of his NFL career, he's not going to get full seasons. He's going to start the year not playing last year due to injury this year due to the suspension. Yeah. Um, so, but it gives Josh Reynolds a shot to play really well again. So we'll see what happens with that. Defensively. <clears throat> the Lions, uh, bring back Aiden Hutchinson, who, Proved to be worthy of where he was drafted last year. Um, had a really good rookie season. Inside, you have Isaiah Bugs, Alum McNeil, Christian Covington. On the other edge, you've got John Kaminsky and uh, former high, high pick Josh Paschal um, at linebacker. They boast a really good linebacker group. Al- Alex Anzalone and now the newly drafted Jack Campbell at Mike. 
You still have uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, everyone's favorite guy from Hard Knocks, Rodrigo, and then Derek Barnes as well. I'm sure they'll find some ways to maybe continually play Rodrigo with Jack Campbell and Alex Anzalone. You know, there may be some true three three linebacker stuff that they do. Is that um, the dude with the long hair? Anzalone? Uh, I don't know. The one of them. Yeah. Cool. He's got the long blonde hair. Rodrigo yeah, yeah. was like the fifth round rookie that everyone oh, okay. liked last year. Gotcha, um, gotcha. He was everyone's favorite in hard knocks. Good player. Had a, had a pretty good rookie year. Um, so I'm sure they'll still find different ways to play him. And then in the slot, I think that's where Brian Branch is going to fit in at the slot okay. corner. We watched a lot of his film. Remember, we yeah, evaluate yeah. him as a safety, but we really liked him as a slot corner. Then they bring in the two corners that they signed in free agency, Emmanuel Mosley and Cameron Sutton on the outside. Inside, it's a di- it's an interesting deal. You've got C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He can also play kind of that slot corner, so maybe some interesting stuff that they can do with him and Brian Branch, who can both play safety or slot corner. And then um, Joseph Kirby and Tracy Walker the third are kind of in a position battle, I think, for that other safety spot. Uh, maybe even uh, Ifidu Melanowafu, Wa- Melanfon, <laughs> Melifonwu. Sorry, yeah. well, that, that sounds just... like a handful. Melifonwu, he's he's a good player, but yeah, tough name. So sorry to him for that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, the Lions. You know, I think. A little bit more depth than last year, despite some of the losses. Still, maybe not as much front end talent. There's still some stuff that there's still some some things they can improve on. I think their secondary is much different this year, just because it, it struggled last year. They should have four out of five new starters there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's always which tough. which makes sense, but it's also you know that you can't just snap your fingers, bring different guys in, and and it's suddenly going to be great. So there's probably going to still be some growing pains there. Um, but I do like some of the upgrades they made. I do think they have a little bit more depth this season. Um, so I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, my one thing I'll say is running, going back to the running back room, we'll just I want to see what they do with them because I know last year they had uh, DeAndre Swift and uh, Jamal Williams, as you talked about. And those dudes, it was like Swift was down. He was the dude just breaking runs and then, Williams would be in the trenches, like getting those like couple yard runs for the touchdowns. So I'd love to see how they uh they could like do something similar to that this year or how they how they like combat having more dudes that probably have to use stride to get in the open field as opposed to getting the nitty gritty yards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, taking a look at their schedule this year. They, they, you know, they start off hot. Week one, they got the very first game of the year, and it's not easy. It's going to be against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It's going to be that Thursday night first game. That's always not just the opponent, but that very first game of the NFL season kicking it off. That's tough. Yep. Let's see. Week two, they got the Seahawks at home. Seahawks got a long trip. That's unfortunate. Week three, they got the Falcons at home. Then they got their first divisional game. Week four in Green Bay, Thursday night game right there as well. Now that one, you know, we'll see what happens with Jordan Love as we'll, we'll get to that eventually. But well, uh, you know, well that's my biggest question of the whole thing. Week five, they got the Panthers at home. That's gonna be you know, Bryce Young coming up to hit to Detroit. You know, mm-hmm. it might not be easy for the man. Week six and seven, they're on the road. They play the Bucks in week six. 
The Bucks are coming off their bye week. And then week seven, they got the Ravens. Oh, wait, did I say they're at home? That's on me. They travel out to Tampa Bay week six, mm. playing the Bucks. And then week seven, they're on the road in Baltimore playing the Ravens. That one, you know, could be fun and scrappy. Week eight, they got the Raiders on a Monday night game. I will say mm. they do have a lot of primetime games. Yeah, I'm assuming they that the, the, they think that, you know, the Lions have something to prove this year. So that's nice. And following that Monday night game, they got their bye week nine. Week 10, they go out to L.A. and play the Chargers. And they get a couple home games here in the division. They play the Bears week 11. And then week 12, they got the Packers. Thursday night or Thursday football on uh, Thanksgiving. The good old yep. classic, right? They're one of the many teams that get to have that every year. Then they got a couple away games. They got the Saints week 13 on the road and the Bears in Chicago. This time when they play in the Bears, they're coming off their bye. I will say it's kind of wild. We got into week 15 and, you know, no Vikings until the very end. That's kind of a weird, weird way to do yeah, this. Yeah, it is a weird deal. But yeah, the week 15, they played Denver in uh, Detroit. So they stay at home. Then they got two away games here. They got the Vikings finally playing them week 16. Then they got the Cowboys week 17 on a Sunday night game. That one, that could be fun. That could have some uh, playoff implications at that point. They're seeing yeah. things, you know. Then week yeah. 18, they close out against the Vikings at home. Yeah, I think um, looking at this, their, their schedule is pretty, um, I would say, evenly you know, displaced throughout. But yeah. Um, you know, I kind of looked at the different stretches, different stuff. Honestly, where I've, where I landed, I think their hardest stretch is week 13 to 18 to finish the year, just because they have four out of six, four out of six on the road. Um, those road Mm -hmm. games being the saints, the bears coming off a bye, So you got to go on the road and the team you're playing is coming off their bye. You got to go to the Vikings. You got to go to the Cowboys on Sunday night football. And then your home games are the Broncos and the Vikings. So I would say, you know, that five out of those six games are against, you know, teams that are going to be likely around playoff positioning. And then the Bears, you know, having to get them on the road, coming off their bye, you know, that's tough. Um, So I think that stretch is pretty hard. And then they're kind of easier stretch, I would say. You're talking right before the bye, like week three Mm -hmm. through eight. You know, the Falcons. The Packers on Thursday Night Football early in the season with Jordan Love. The Panthers, the Bucks, they do get them coming off the bus. It's a little harder, but you know I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be very good. <laughs> the Ravens, that's a tough game in that stretch, but probably the only one that you would say is really tough. And yeah, then um, sure. the Raiders on Monday Night Football. I would say that the nice thing for them is they get the Packers earlier in the year this year. Last True. year they finished in Lambeau. This year they get them in week four on a Thursday night. Um, kind of a fun scheduling quirk. They play the Packers twice on Thursdays yeah, this year. I ju- I just noticed that too, right before you sweat it. Yeah, they actually play three Thursday night games this year because yeah. they play on the Thursday opener. They have a true Thursday night game, and then they play on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So they have three different instances where they're going to play Thursdays this year. So they have a kind of an interesting schedule in in general. I would say that they have a tough opening two weeks with the Chiefs oh, and that's Seahawks. Sure. Yeah. Um. But overall, I think it's it's a schedule that's actually pretty easy in general because it's pretty well laid throughout. Oh. And 
you know, I think uh, I think they they get to play the NFC South. That helps. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I think based on that, you know, we can talk predictions at this point. But I think we we kind of see it very similarly. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We both had them at ten seven. I mean. There's, we could probably pick out the ones that we think are definitely going to be tough, like by that Cowboys game, the Chiefs game, you know, Ravens for sure. I'm assuming one of the Packers games, probably that Week 12 one, because, you know, at that point, Jordan Love will have more more growth with the team, you know. Yeah. Let's see, Probably the Saints even, we could probably throw that in there. I think going to New Orleans is always tough, yeah. yeah. In L.A., in in Baltimore, those are – you know, at Kansas City, at Baltimore, at LA, at the Saints, at the Cowboys, those are probably their five really tough games. And I think yeah. the rest of them are all very, very winnable. Um, I think they won't have as tough a start this year like they did last <laughs> year. Be a little bit better. Um yeah, yeah. I would say that they, you know, those eight games they play before the bye, I think four and four is really realistic. Maybe six and three down the stretch out of the bye to kind of finish off oh. ten and seven. Um, I, I I see the Lions as ten and seven. I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing we got to look forward to. All right. Well, last year, you know, the defense wasn't looking too nice. You know, they they were one of the worst. I think they were probably like in the thirty first at some point in time with like points allowed. What do you think they could do better this year, especially with bringing in all those dudes to help beef up the secondary? Well, I mean, I think that's that's one part, right, is they have some different players. So in general, um, sometimes the answer is get better players. Sometimes it's <laughs> change what you're doing schematically. Sometimes it's get better coaches, you know, whatever the yeah. answers may be. I think in this case, the Lions actually found something. You know, I was going through the numbers and I was really looking at things. So in the first eight weeks of the season last year, their record was one in six. Ooh. They were allowing 32 points per game. And I noticed that they were playing man coverage an average of 46% of the time per game. Whoa. So they That's were playing a lot. a lot of man. Yeah, they were playing almost 50% man and uh, giving up 32 points per game, right? Uh-huh. So then the last 10 weeks they of the season, they went eight and two. They were only giving yeah. up 20 points per game. And they played man an average of 39% of the time. Okay. So what they did is they started playing more zone. And I think when I saw that they traded Jeff Okuda this offseason, to me that signaled that they were ready to be different defensively, I think. Generally, Jeff Okuda is regarded as like a true man cover corner. Okay. And when they drafted him, that's what they think they really wanted to do. And he actually played really well to start the year. He's playing a lot of man coverage, playing pretty well. As they transitioned away from as much man and predictability, trying to mix it up, playing more zone, um, he struggled a little bit more. Mm. And he actually got less playing time. And so it makes sense that they traded him because I think they went away from what he does. Yeah, because I think the rest of their guys, the rest of their defense was struggling from, I think, a a predictability problem. Um, The Lions, they predicate... Yeah, they, they predicated their defense on being able to play. Really, they play a lot of cover one, which you're going to see here yeah. is what they're yeah, actually playing on this first snap. Yeah, you got one high mm-hmm. safety, and then everyone else is in man coverage, right? So they're playing cover one cover one man like a lot the last couple of years, like pretty much since Aaron Glenn got there. 
um, as a defense coordinator, and it's made them predictable is the problem. Um, and as they went to more zone, less predictability last year, they actually got better. And I think this could foreshadow a little bit of like a philosophical change in what Aaron Glenn wants to do this year to make them a better team. So you look, this is a game early in the year against Seattle. They're playing all that man. And you notice when you're playing so much man, they run all these crossing routes, you know, Alex Anzalone, he gets caught and on a third and that's a far run for the backer. Yeah. And he has to run through all the traffic. And so on third and four, he essentially gets picked and you're just giving up first downs, right? That's tough. So they teams knew, oh, it's third and four. The Lions are going to play man, so much man coverage. Yeah, he's like, on the hash and has to run to like the numbers before even getting anywhere close. Yeah, it's tough. It may, It's a really far run. Again, you can already see, right? Now this is going to be man coverage with a too high look, but I yeah. think they're going to end up doing it if I remember that watching this right, they're actually going to bracket a couple guys. So one of them being Metcalf. So they're playing man everywhere else, but they're going to double. So you can see they're doubling Metcalf and then uh-huh. lock it. And they're playing man everywhere else. So this is like a cover uh, zero, uh-huh. but like it's like a two man, but you're making it a bracket on their two best players. So you're going to double yeah. their two best guys and try and take them out. The problem is it's still true man coverage essentially everywhere else. Look what happens to Gino. So that's the other thing that was happening to them. Quarterbacks could scramble, get out of the pocket, and really create more plays yeah. because you're playing so much man. Your eyes are down the field, you know, are on your man downfield. No, yeah. no one to see the quarterback. So even though they bring five, yeah. he escapes and there's no one else to go get him. So in theory, he it's got a great more defense. yards too if No Fant had that block right there. Yeah, and he and in theory, like it's, he, they they covered all the guys, right? They did everything yeah. like that you want to do. There was nowhere for Geno Smith to throw, but then if you don't get the sack, now you don't yeah. have anyone to make that play on him. So here they are in the red zone again, back to cover one. Right, they play it even with the low hole, but it's a good you know. Hole. Yep, he finds the soft spot. They're playing two on two with these the tight end wing here. Man coverage just gets beat, and that was the problem. You're playing so much man. If you if you don't have guys to be better than their guys, yeah, you're gonna get beat. Yeah. So now, this is the end of the year in Green Bay. So just to kind of illustrate that that difference in terms of what they were doing. So we just saw them play like four straight snaps of man against Seattle. Um, different <laughs> variation, different variations, but. But man coverage, right? It was whether it was cover one man or, or they're playing, you know, a form of like poach where they're yeah. doubling guys. But it's still man. Now you see them late in the year against Green Bay. This is Green Bay needs to go score to win the game. This is at the very end of the game. Um, Detroit's winning. Green Bay's got to score to go to go win it. And so here you go. They're playing Rodgers, right? See the two high shell? Yeah. Now they're playing zone. You can see the backers dropping out. They're yeah. playing a lot you can more see that zone. Guy the numbers right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you, they're playing like a too high. It looks like it's you know could be quarters, could be cover two. I think they're actually playing cover two here. Yeah. I think so so now you're forcing. You know, you got the the two deep flat defender, three underneath players, your hook defenders, right? And so now you force Rodgers to be perfect because now he's trying to throw the rail ball over the corner, but before the safety yeah. to Lazard. And he just can't. That's 
you got to be perfect. Yeah. They forced the throw out of bounds. So now you're not getting one-on-one. You're trying to throw, fit the ball into zone coverage spaces. And again, you can see it from the behind angle, kind of what Roger sees. Yeah. Right. I I don't know if it's just me or not, but I think Watson might've been a better choice. I don't know what it looks like from this perspective, but from the other one, it looked like Watson might've been the one. Well, the tough part is he's got all these hook defenders underneath. So it's tough to fit that ball in there because now you gotta you gotta get it over the backer, but under the safety. So he tries to make the really tough throw on the sideline, the rail ball throw, and just can't make it. Okay, so now we get to second down. Second down, they're still playing too high shell zone, right? You can see the push from the mic right here because he's got three coming this way. So he's gonna push over here. And again, they're playing this this zone. Now, this flat defender, he's getting kind of caught up right now. Yeah. But even still, look, they forced the throw into the flat, and then Rodgers misses the throw. Yeah, Hutchinson made it in time to... to, to yeah, to force a, a bad throw, right? Yeah. And that's the other thing, is their pass rush got better as the year went as well. I think I it's actually... It, wasn't Hutch. Uh, it was Kaminsky, I believe. Um, and so now they get to third and third and long. Now watch what happens on third and long. They've shown Rogers all kinds of zone, but when it's money time and they got to go make a play, what do they play? Or, uh, they get man. back. They get back to cover one. <laughs> they get back to cover one. Now they're playing man again because they got him in third and long. And now they got that one free safety. Rogers thinks he's got true one on one. He puts it up there, but the one high safety goes and makes the play, gets the pick to seal the game. So you can see how different they were philosophically. Yes, they played better, but they also just they gave quarterbacks different looks. And then when push came to sub and they had to go get their best stuff out there, they went back to what Aaron Glenn really wants to do, which is play man coverage and bring a little bit of pressure, have one high safety free to go make that play. Look at Aaron Glenn on the sideline. <laughs> up right now, look at my man. And good, he should celebrate because that takes a lot of work and growth as a coach to say, okay, what we're doing isn't quite working. We need to adjust. And yeah. you make that adjustment, you see great results, man. That's awesome. No, yeah, that, that was nice, no doubt. I mean, even that ending right there where you go back to the to simple man again that you always have been, from, especially in that first half of the season, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I think I think you'll see – the Lions switch it up a little bit more this year and be less predictable, and that's going to help them defensively, which will help them as a team. And then next team we're taking a look at in this division is the Vikings. So they finished 13-4 and last year, finished first in the division. You know, they smoked everyone, basically. And then they, they lost in the, the wild card of the playoffs. I mean, all their games were all close. I mean, I, I remember for the longest people were talking about their point differential or whatever, how it was negative, but yet they were winning all their games or something, which is wild. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really weird. They they won so many close, like, one-score games last year. It was yeah. ridiculous. Looking at their team, their team really turned over this offseason. Yeah. They lost a lot of veterans, about as, many as, as, about as many as anyone else has lost, I think, this offseason. Um, just familiar faces, guys who have been in the the building. First of all, they lost a pair of Dalvins, running back Dalvin Cook, <laughs> D lineman Dalvin Tomlinson. They lost tight end Irv Smith Jr. Then some more, just like names who have been around for a long time. Adam Thielen at receiver. Yep. 
Patrick Peterson at corner. Now he hasn't been there for that many years, but in terms of being a veteran who's been there for a few years, who was important to that team, that's definitely him. He still had a great year last year, even as an older player. Um, another guy who's just been there, it feels like forever. Eric Kendricks at linebacker. Um, they lost a pair of corners, Cam Dantzler and Duke Shelley. Um, so they lost mm, three, a lot three of corners. Positions. Yeah. Um, the a couple playmakers on offense, Zadarius mm. Smith, Eric Kendrick. So I think, uh, there's just a lot of turnover. A lot of veterans are gone from this team. They did add some guys. I like Marcus Davenport at the D line spot. Um, the slot corner, Byron Murphy, um, from Arizona, good player. They added a kicker or receiver punt returner, um, Brandon Powell from the Rams, and then a linebacker, Troy Reader, um, from Los Angeles from the Chargers. So they did add some guys, but not nearly enough, I would say, to offset the losses. You know, they added some some a couple pretty good players in the draft, though, right, Joe? Yeah, we talked about this guy out of USC. They picked up Jordan Addison, a wide receiver. And then safety, Jay Ward. So, I mean, they lost a lot of skill positions I mentioned, but it seems like they picked them up back in the draft. I am yeah. looking forward to that new duo right there. Our guy, you know, hitting the gritty, Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. That's going to be fun for sure. What are your thoughts yeah, I, on these uh, draft picks? I thought I thought Addison was the best receiver in the draft. I made that case multiple times on, yeah. on the pod. Um, and I think... He fell in a great spot in Minnesota. Him and Justin Jefferson are going to be dynamic. Yeah. Um, sure. They also added a USC corner, Makai Blackman, who I think can be a really good player. Sounds like he's projected to start right away. Um, mm-hmm. And then an interesting prospect, the BYU quarterback, Jaron Hall, as a backup to Cousins this year. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I guess he has potential to become a starter next year i mean cousins on that last last uh we'll see year of his uh contract yeah true anything can happen between now and then let's see but the management and coaching staff they got down in minnesota i guess i should say up they're in the pretty north they got <laughs> general manager oh man quezzy adolfo mensa i don't i don't you know hey he has a great story have you heard his story uh no i don't know nothing about him he was like on wall street he was in finance no way. But he loved football. He got a chance as like to do like an internship with the 49ers. Okay. And he basically yeah, quit good. his his, you know, six, you know, multi whatever money job he was making <laughs> yeah. in, in Wall Street. Like he was as a broker, was making bazooka bucks. And um and then just took this like internship with 49ers where he was making nothing because he yeah. wanted to get into football and to management and then just did so well like he's risen to power obviously and now he's going into his second year as the gm of the minnesota vikings so his story's pretty cool if you ever get a chance to look him up he's he seems like he's uh i I just think that's a sick story not a lot of people can say that they were like (laughs) yeah yeah clearly he loves football so um i think it's pretty cool yeah Yeah. i mean that's crazy though my man was on wall street yeah Dang. I, I definitely got to look that up after this. But yeah. head coach, Kevin O'Connell, down there. In, or, you know, I got to stop saying that. <laughs> Offensive coordinator, Wes Phillips, and then D coordinator, Brian Flores. Oh, Brian Flores comes into his first year as, a, as the DC. I think fits really well with Kevin O'Connell. 
should bring a different attitude, I think, to this defense this year. I'm excited yeah. to see what he does. Um, looking up front, the um, Vikings bring back Christian Derisaw at left tackle. They also have Vidarian Lowe backing him up. They've got Ezra Cleveland at the left guard, center Garrett Bradbury, uh, right guard Ed Ingram, right tackle Brian O'Neill, and uh, backing him up, Blake Brandell. So um, not a lot of recognizable names up front, though this offensive yeah. line has been pretty solid, I would say. Derisaw has been really good. Bradbury's been pretty good at center. Um, then you look at quarterback, obviously, Kirk Cousins. They have Nick Mullins as his backup. I'm not sure if you remember Nick Mullins from Minnesota or from uh, <laughs> uh, San Francisco, but he's he, he'll be the backup this year for Cousins. And then Jaron Hall, the quarterback from BYU I mentioned earlier. Yeah. The running back room, really interesting now with the loss of, of Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, and Ty Chandler. Madison has filled in admirably when uh, when Dalvin's cook has been out, but Ty Chandler and and anyone else in that running back room beyond Madison don't have a lot of experience, and so yeah, no it's going to be really really interesting. Madison's got a heavy load to carry at receiver. You know, Justin Jefferson comes back at the X, commanding a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. T.J. Hawkinson is a really good tight end. Yeah, K.J. Osborne was awesome in the slot form last year. And then Jordan Addison on the outside opposite Jefferson. Great mm-hmm. receiving room. Um, yeah, they also have Jalen Rager, Brandon Powell, and uh, Jalen Naylor um, as well to give them some depth at receiver. Um, and um, also Brandon Powell gives them some some stuff in the kick return, punt return game as well. Yeah, especially defensively. And let that one go. You know, that's the third part of the whole game, you know. As my college head coach used to say, special teams wins the game. <laughs> wins the games. <laughs> yep. Um, defensively at edge, Daniil Hunter still there. I mentioned a lot of names have been gone. Daniil Hunter is not one of those. He's still there um, on the edge. Inside, uh, also backing him up, they bring in the, uh, the Army kid, Andre Carter. Inside, they've got Kyrus Tonga. Jacqueline Roy, Harrison Phillips, and Dean Lowry. Then on the other edge, Marcus Davenport comes over from New Orleans, and they also have Pat Jones, the second, backing him up. So decent amount of depth up front. At linebacker, they've got Jordan Hicks, the will. Brian Asamoah, the second, comes in at Mike. Troy Dye and Troy Reader, a couple of Troys, backing him up at Will and Mike. <laughs> at the nickel corner, they bring in Byron Murphy, Jr., um, Jay Ward, the guy they drafted out of LSU, will probably back him up. Makai Blackman set to start at corner as a rookie. Cameron Bynum has been pretty good at safety. Lewis Sign, the kid from Georgia, they drafted a couple years ago, backs him up. Harrison Smith, who's been there forever, feels like 20 years that Harrison Smith has just been playing safety for the Vikings. Um, he comes back for another year. Josh Metellus backing him up. And then at the other corner, they've got a Caleb Evans and Joe Juan Williams. So, this Vikings team looks very different from the one that won 13 games yeah, uh, last season. For sure. I mean, yeah, just looking at the key losses, you know, that alone tells you it's a lot different for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, okay, one quick note that's really dumb before I get to this schedule. 
So I, right now, when you're going over the names, for some reason, this is the first time I thought about this after this whole, you know, like five weeks of putting out these. I was looking at these names and just making up the first names, right? Just seeing what it comes to mind, like off rip. So like Murphy Jr. I don't know. I, I went with Trey Murphy Jr. And then you know the free safety. <laughs> Trey, Trey Murphy's a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, speaking of the same thing, our free safety, you could probably guess who I'm going to say if he's a basketball player. Oh, Andrew Bynum? Yeah. And then the corner, really <laughs> dumb. This one's really dumb. Mike Evans. <laughs> All right. So if I ever look lost, you know, I, I might be stuck I'm, in I'm one of those rabbit holes. Entering. I'm enjoying entering the mind of Jody tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the schedule that they're rolling with this year, week one, they play the Bucks. That seems like a nice start to the season right there. Might be might be a little tough with their new look of the team, but sounds really, really fun between the two. Week two, though, it's not easy no more. They got the Eagles in Philly on a Thursday night game. So you get the short week and you got to travel to Philly sounds like a recipe for you know a bloodbath week three they got the chargers at home though but they got the chargers week four they got the panthers in um was where did they play charlotte i don't know yeah north carolina charlotte yep there you go week week five i'm assuming this has to be the hard stretch between two and five because then they got the the chiefs at home but they got the chiefs week five that the first, winning the division doesn't sound fun at the moment. Mm-hmm. Week six, they get their first divisional game. They go out to to Chicago and play the Bears. Week seven, it doesn't get any easier. Monday Night Football versus the Niners at home, though. You know, that's one thing I will say. It sounds like all these games are at home, but it's still not going to be fun. Nope. Week eight, they get their second divisional game versus the Packers in Green Bay. Then they get to go out to Atlanta and play the Falcons week nine. Week 10, they got the Saints at home. Then they get a couple Monday, or not Monday night, a couple primetime games here, week 11 and week 12. They go out to Denver on a Sunday night. And then they play the Bears Monday night, the following week in week 12. And then after all that, that leads them to their bye week 13. And then coming off the bye, they play the Raiders, who also had their bye in week 13. Then they get to play in Cincy versus the Bengals, another one that just doesn't sound fun. Week 16, they play the Lions, finally. As we just seen on the last slide, they played them really late. Week 17, they got the Packers on another uh, Sunday night game. So they also have a lot of primetime games as well. And then they close out the year in Detroit versus the Lions. So, I mean, I would agree with I think that the gauntlet for them is weeks like two through seven at the Eagles on Thursday night football versus the chargers at the Panthers versus the chiefs at the bears mm-hmm. versus the 49ers on Monday night football. Tough stress, tough start to the season. I mean, yeah. conceivably you look at that and you're like, okay, they win against the bucks. Probably take a couple else to the Eagles and the chargers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe beat the Panthers, probably lose to the chiefs. Maybe beat the Bears, probably lose to the Niners, yeah. right? That may maybe split those next two road games, Packers and Falcons. If that's the case, you're sitting at like four and five, you know, through week yeah. nine. And then it doesn't get 
that much easier. I mean, the Saints are going to be a good team this year. You got to go to Denver on Sunday night football, then versus the Bears on Monday night football. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could be looking at, you know, say four and four and eight or five and seven going into the bye. Now you come out of it. Okay, you get the Raiders. Maybe that's a win. But then you go to the Bengals. That's not easy. And then <laughs> yeah. three straight three straight divisional games to finish the year. I mean, I would say the schedule is pretty tough. The easiest stretch is probably that stretch after the really tough one where, you know, like week nine through 14, you know, Falcons, yeah. Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders. Not like too terribly tough competition-wise, but – you know, you get a team off its bye. You get a couple primetime games. You got to go to Denver. I don't think that's a fun place to play. Mile high. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so I do think this is a this is a tough stretch for them. Yeah, I could see them really struggling out of the gate. Maybe something like two and five, three and four. Um, yeah, it's it hard. And then the first one with the. First seat, first round seating, you know, or whatever you want to call it, finishing first in the divisions. Yeah, yeah, I think you know maybe starting three and four, having a better middle stretch of the year, kind of coming out of the bye, maybe right around five hundred, but then getting to week fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen with the Bengals, the the Lions twice, and the Packers on Sunday night. I think that's a tough stretch of four games to finish the year. That's a recipe for like one and three to finish the year. (laughs) And if you're sitting, like I said, kind of around 500 and you finish that year one and three, that's why I have them at seven and 10. I just think the losses of one, they won so many close fluky one score games last year. It felt right when they lost in the playoffs, honestly. (laughs) Um, And then, to the loss of so many veteran players. I just think that's going to completely flip this year. I think the Vikings take a huge step back, honestly. Yeah, I had them going 9-8 and eight this year. I mean, a little bit better than you. I don't know. I just – maybe I I think I just went with them being better in the division probably. And then the, – but I, I think this is best-case scenario. Like, 9 is, like, pushing their amount of wins, you know. That's like if they're mm-hmm. on it every week, that's what they're getting. It gets hard, I mean – well, you mentioned it already. Eagles, Chiefs, you know, we got Bengals. Like, those are not going to be easy and probably not fun in general, especially after last year with them winning, like, by, like, two or three points week in and week out. Yeah, and I think, you know, offensively, they'll probably still be okay. They're, they're going to – I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more, uh-huh. um, which could make Kirk Cousins more of a liability. Um. Mm. Even though he has those other receivers, those guys are all so good. But, you know, they're going to rely on throwing the ball a lot more. So I think that could make things, you know, show up a little bit. And and actually, I mean, you know, the big thing is just going to be, obviously, we, we I mean, <laughs> I don't want to step on your corner here, but like Dalvin Cook. Yeah. You know, I think that's a bigger deal than people maybe even recognize in terms of yeah. his loss and what it means to that team. Would you say that Madison would have to pick up the slack for him being gone, or is it going to be reliant more on those receivers to, to help get more production on offense? Well, I think, I think Madison's going to be relied on, but I think they're going to have to throw the ball more. Cause I don't know that there's a whole lot of, like I talked about before, there's not a whole lot of depth at running back for them right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, they got Madison and then dudes, I, I don't even know have touched the field, you know? Yeah. I mean, so like I was looking at it, 
So Alexander Madison has started six games over his career when Dalvin uh-huh. Cook's been hurt. Um, he has 117 carries for 477 yards, five touchdowns. So it's about an average of 20 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown per game, um, mm. which is good. You know, that's not the problem. I think the real problem isn't him. It's the depth behind him. Ty Chandler has played in three games for his entire career. He has six carries for 20 yards. There you go. Or uh, Kenne Nwangu has nine carries for 14 yards. Those are the next two guys on the depth chart right now. Yeah, it's not looking good. At least the second so, dude you mentioned has an average of three something. The other dude, though, you know, I, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> well, it's just like these guys have a combined twenty carries for their entire <laughs> career. Like, and you're asking those guys to probably give you a few carries each. To, you know, yeah. unless you think Alexander Madison's ready to just go take twenty five carries a game. Um, even then, think about that. Like a team running the ball twenty five t- times out of. 65 snaps that means you're asking kirk cousins to throw the ball 40 times yeah that's a lot you know maybe for a game but consistently over the course of 17 games uh, that's that seems really tough you know um yeah and just looking at like what dalvin cook did for them uh you remember the game last year against the colts the famous you know they're down what 30 or something 30 to zero or whatever it was and they came back and won in overtime is that that game game where justin jefferson had the catch was it that one or is that a different game? Oh, the the super crazy catch. That was the Bills game. I'm pretty sure okay, the one that you're talking about. Too, I wasn't I wasn't positive. Yeah, that's the only thing that rang a bell as soon as you said, Do you remember this one where they came yeah. back? And that's the only one that made sense to me. <laughs> well, and this is the thing is Dalvin Cook was incredible in that game. It was pretty much Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson that brought them back. Mm-hmm. So I just want to go through all the production Dalvin Cook had in that game, everything he does for an offense. So you give him the little flip. And granted, the blocking was incredible, but he turns that into a 40-yard gain. Maybe Alexander Madison does that, but maybe he doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. This is, again, you could drive a Mack truck through this. This is a great play design and also just the O-line getting out in front and blocking for him. Awesome. There's Cleveland right there picking him up. (laughs) Here you go. Here's another, another play. Run a little stretch zone, and he he just gets up, gets through the hole again. This oh, is another like, like 20. 20 yard gain. So just in those two plays alone, he's got like sixty yards rushing. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like okay, well yeah, B gap zone. A couple arm tackles gets through those. Okay, here's another play. They go hurry up a little bit. I believe it's actually the very next play. Play action throw the screen to him in the flat and again he can go create All blockers 12 more yards now that's the beauty of dalvin cook you can go throw him the ball out of the backfield too you can throw him screen get him in space the common denominator with all these plays is like dalvin cook get him the ball in space he's explosive yeah he's explosive with the ball in his hands in space he can make guys miss he can run guys over now you can put him out at the outside receiver and empty run him underneath everyone get him the ball oh, in space yeah. again Boom. Are we doing that with Alexander Madison? I don't I don't know. You know, like I don't yeah. know how they're gonna replace what they do, all the things that that Kevin O'Connell was able to do with Dalvin Cook. I just don't know that you know Alexander Madison and all those other guys are giving you that. Again, put him in empty. Now throw him the screen from the outside mm. receiver position. Look Ooh. what he does. 
Oh my gosh. Takes I'd his like thing. To give credit to that D lineman. He's out there. <laughs> he took that thing yard. And by the oh, way, that was the, that was the tie. The, by the way, that was to tie the game. To force the overtime. I don't know what other yak, running back. Bro. I don't know what other running back in the league right now is doing all that. You know, I mean, there's probably, yak? A, there's probably a select few that can do what he just did. And I'm not saying there aren't other good running backs, but there's a select few that can do what he just did. Go put him at outside receiver, slow on the screen. Yeah, it's like literally it's McCaffrey. You know who I think is going to be one of them? Jameer Gibbs. You know, I'm going to say Debo for fun. I mean, technically he's a receiver. B. John Robinson maybe. Yeah. You know, like those are young cats. But but you get what I'm saying. I just think it's tough to replace all the different things he does. You can see just in one game there. Yeah. So it's going to be tough for Minnesota to replace that. Yeah, he definitely did a lot for them on offense. I mean, fantasy owners know about it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure they do. Uh, okay, before we talk about the Packers here, did he is he on a new team now or is he still in a free agency? As of this moment on June 27th, he has not signed with anyone. Okay. Cuz I seen something on Sports Center when I was at the gym, but I they don't put the subtitles on Sports Center. They do it for NFL Network or whatever's on where they're playing all the football, like the Super Bowl games. So I, I never know what they're talking about. I just see what's on the screen, you know, like the. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I had to ask. Uh, next team we're looking at is the Packers. They went eight and nine last year, sadly, with the last year of having Evan Rodgers there. Finished third in the division and they missed the playoffs. I mean, if, if you went nine and eight and missed the playoffs, you ain't making it eight and nine. Yeah. Yeah, um, this team, another team that has some has some turnover. Obviously, like Aaron Rodgers, staple. and his crew. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers and crew who all went to the Jets. He said, "I'm gonna take my ball and go home," and that ball happened to be Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Adrian Amos. <laughs> all of those guys all went to the Jets with him. But they also lost Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis at tight end. Um, you know, oh. so they lost basically all of their offensive skill players outside of running back. Yeah. So that, com- that group looks completely different this year, really. But they did add a couple players, a couple safeties to various more and Jonathan Owens. The Packers have been known as a team that just doesn't really spend in free agency. They really build through the draft. So yeah. those key additions in free agency, few and far between, not a lot going on there. Really, where they made their money this year was the draft. Yeah, so they picked up uh, edge rusher Lucas Van Ness in that first round, which shocked a lot of people, including myself. Tight end Luke Musgrave, who we talked about. was That's the dude out of Oregon State, yeah? Yep. Yeah, yeah. and then wide receiver Jaden Reed. They also drafted another tight end, Tucker Kraft. Remember oh, him from South yeah. Dakota State? Robert so we Kraft, like yeah. <laughs> so we like uh we like both the tight ends they drafted both those guys were in our top five rankings or actually oh. i think we ended up doing six right because i couldn't yeah yeah you couldn't pick between the two so like it was just, so those two were in our top two yeah. were in our top six somehow so yeah um they drafted two of them so but yeah i think they got a lot younger in terms of That's the skill sure. positions and yeah so we'll see what that looks like this year so the management coaching staff they have going to be general manager Brian Dudinkus. I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> Head coach Matt LaFleur, uh, offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich, and then 
D coordinator Joe Barry. Like, why can't we have those names right there? Joe Barry. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta speak French or not French, like German or something to get these, these names out there. <laughs> could be worse, dude. You could be Gronk, Shane Spikeman. <laughs> oh man, that, that's an all timer, dude. I think it's endearing when you get the names kind of not quite right, but like almost right. I think it's, yeah, I yeah. think it's, uh, <laughs> we'll get to see, the uh, effort to try to get it right, but then it's yeah. like, I, I still botched a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. It's all good. I think, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, this will be a fun test for him this year. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Can he develop a quarterback? Can he, can he coach a guy not named Aaron Rodgers? We'll see. I think he can. <laughs> But I think, you know, people are people are waiting to see what he does. So what I will say is he's going to have a great O-line in front of him. David Bakhtiari, Elkin mm. Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon, Zach Tom. That's a great group up front. Another great offensive line. This you know, talks about the Lions offensive line. I think the Packers have another one that's just very good mm-hmm. um, across the board. Got some more depth that tackles in uh, Rashid Walker and, and Yash Neiman. And then at center, Jake Hansen, another backup player there, giving him some depth. Uh, quarterback, obviously, Jordan Love is the yep. guy. They also brought in Sean Clifford to be his backup out of Penn State. Uh, um, running back, they got the duo of Aaron Jones and AJ Quadzilla Dillon. Um, <laughs> that guy's quads are massive. I mean, I get why they call him Quadzilla. At the X receiver, they bring back Christian Watson in year and- two for him. Um, with the Tavion Wicks behind him, tight end talked about it. Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft form a dynamic duo there out of this year's draft. Uh, they bring Jaden Reed in to play at the slot and Romeo Dubs to play at the Z. They're going to be just so young at receiver this year, yeah, all first or second sure. year players. Receiver and tight end for them are all first or second year players. It's it's going to be a really interesting experience and experiment with those guys. And then Jordan Love, who's going into year four, but has like yeah. never actually played. <laughs> so, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to say, I don't want to be that guy and be disrespectful, but I was going to say the same thing about Love being his first year like starting, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, They're going to lean, I think, on at least early. The running back room. Yeah, the, those two running backs do a lot for them um, and probably will do a lot for them, especially early. Defensively, um, on the edge, you've got Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness as the young understudy there. Inside, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Colby Wooden. And then at the other edge, Rashawn Gary and Justin Hollins. A lot of depth on the edge for them this year. I, I really like all four of their edge players. Uh, linebacker, you got Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, and Isaiah McDuffie. And then mm-hmm. uh, at the slot corner, Keyshawn Nixon, pretty good player. Um, outside at corner, you got Jair Alexander with Eric Stokes backing him up and Rasul Douglas across from him. And then at the safety spots, Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage, and then Jonathan Owens and Tavarius Moore giving him some depth behind those guys. Um, yeah, we got to look at. Yeah, we gotta look at that. Uh, <laughs> we gotta look at well, that schedule now. Huh? Yeah, well, I mean, he did change his number for like a day at one point in time to twenty-one. Darnell. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, that's yeah. funny. My mom, I think, has his jersey with that on there. <laughs> twenty-one savage. That's yeah, hilarious. yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, the schedule you were talking about, they start off on the road versus the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Classic rivalry right there, week one. Gotta love it. Week two, they're still on the road. They go out to Atlanta this time playing the Falcons. And they play the Saints week three at home. As we've seen earlier, they play week four versus uh, the Lions on a Thursday night. Following that Thursday night game, they play the Raiders on a Monday night, so they get a little bit of time to prepare for that game. Should help them out a little bit where they face Jimmy G and the boys in Vegas. Week six, they get their bye. That's an early bye, sadly, but at least it's not week five. Could be worse. Week seven, following that bye, they play Denver in Denver. So they have to go out to, to Denver, play the Broncos at home, uh, that away game. Week eight and nine, they're at home again. They play the Vikings. Following that, they got the Rams. So by week eight, they get all their divisional games in better than uh, some of these other teams where they don't play the team till week 16 and 18. Let's see. Week 10, though, they got the Steelers in Pittsburgh. That sounds like a tough game outside of Jordan Love starting this year for the first time. Week 11, they play the Chargers at home. Chargers, that sounds like a killer for most of these teams in this division, if I'm being honest. Hate mm-hmm. to say that, but that's probably just a fact. Week 12, they got the Lions again on that Thanksgiving game. And that one's in Detroit this time. See, week 13, they got the Chiefs. That, you know, that doesn't sound fun. The AFC West in this division sounds tough. Let's see. Week 14, though, they got the Giants on a Monday night game. uh, The Giants are coming off a bye that week. So that's that's a a lot of time to prepare. Doesn't seem like it's going to be easy on that one. Let's see. Week 15, they got the Bucks. Well, you can see the NFC South coming in here now, helping them out a little bit towards the end of the year. They got Week 16 versus the Panthers in North Carolina. Then they go out to Minnesota on a Sunday night game, play the Vikings Week 17. Then they close out the year at home versus Dub Bears Week 1 and then Week 18. Pretty wild. Bookend games against the Bears, yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that looking at this schedule you started kind of nailing it uh week seven through 12 maybe even you add week 13 with the chiefs uh-huh. uh is a tough stretch for them um they got to play road games at the broncos at the steelers at the lions on thanksgiving mm-hmm. i mean those those could all three be very easily losses quite frankly <laughs> yeah just because those are three three of the tougher road ga- i mean you gotta go playing in Denver and in Pittsburgh are both yeah, so curtain. hard. And yeah. then you got to go to Detroit on Thanksgiving when everyone is like pumped up about the Lions this year and thinks they're going to be yeah. really good. You know, those are three tough environments, I think. Um, then your home games are the Vikings, Rams, and Chargers, and then tack the Chiefs game on. Um, that could very easily be like a, a two and five stretch in the middle yeah, of the year right sure. there. Very, very easily probably likely two and five stretch just in the middle of the year. However, um, I would say that their first five games before they hit the bye are, are very favorable um, yeah. for Jordan Love to get off to a great start. You know, I would say at the Bears, at the Falcons, versus the Saints, versus the Lions, at the Raiders. And I think that's a three and two start going into the bye week. Four mm-hmm. and one, I think, would be would be like, whoa, I think would have people talking about Jordan Love, right? Yeah. No, no I doubt. Three, I would. I'd probably do the same thing. 
<laughs> I, I think three and two is probably more likely. Then they have that kind of rough stretch in the middle of the year. And then I think they can kind of crescendo and finish the year the right way with a couple more, you know, Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. I don't think any of those five teams make you say like, oh, they can't win any of those games. Maybe they can win five in a row. Who knows? So uh-huh. I do think uh, I think they kind of have a good bookends beginning and end with a really tough middle. That's how I look yeah. at their schedule. Just jam-packed from start to finish. It's a yeah. I like I like that uh what is that called like a analogy is that what it is? Mhm mhm. The they got end. like the they got like the bell curve, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easy middle or uh, beginning and end with a really tough the peak in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Some math right there for you. Yeah, uh, no, you I go. mean for me going into predictions, I I I see it differently. I I truly we'll get into it after, after uh, we talk predictions, but I don't know how I feel about Jordan Love. I'm just saying I I doubt him in all cases. I had him going five and twelve. You had them doing the same as last year, eight and nine. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, normally I'm like, yo, you talked me into this team being better than what I had. I don't know if I could say that this time for once. You know, I uh, you I might feel like you made me you talked me right into that five and twelve that I have, or maybe even worse. I don't know, but. There's a lot of a lot of hope you could hope for with all these young cats coming in, you know. The things to look forward to maybe a year or two from now, but at the moment it might be really rocky. Yeah, I think um I think I I to call me crazy, I kinda think Jordan Love's gonna be good. I I hope so. I would love for that to be the shock of, I think of this year. The reason I have them going eight and nine is not Jordan Love, it's kinda everything else being so young offensively for them i think and then defensively i think they'll be good enough i think they're going to hover right around 500 um i still think jordan love will have growing pains it's first year starting i'm not telling you he's going to be freaking you know perfect yeah but but like i could see him being pretty good i think he will be actually i mean i think there's there's evidence you know i mean we're asking ourselves this question so let's start pulling up the film there's evidence on film that tells you he can be very good a lot of people, I think, will point to the Chiefs game from two years ago and say, okay, that game was awful, right? Um, yeah. You know, he went 19 for 34 for 190 yards, one touchdown, one INT. That was the COVID Aaron Rodgers missed game. And oh, yeah, Love he wasn't started. unionized, huh? Yeah, and, and Love started and he didn't play that well. He really wasn't that bad. 19 for 34, 190 yards, touchdown and a pick. Geez. It's not... Yeah, it's not terrible. It's not great. It was kind of mixed. However, last year, I think the game that made me stay, whoa, I went back and watched last year. This was a game that most people probably turned this game off by this point. The If you remember, this is a primetime game. The Eagles jumped out to a huge lead on the Packers. It got kind of boring. A lot of people turned it off. Well, later in the game, Rodgers kind of got like a not serious injury, but the game was sort of, you know, it was like they were kind of in it, but not really. The score was tight enough was that you could see the, the Eagles had all of their best players still in uh-huh. defensively. So it was tight enough that that was the case, but it was far enough away that I think they felt like Rodgers had this injury. They didn't want to push him, so they didn't, yeah. and they, like. they put him on the sideline. So Jordan Love went in. He went six for nine, 113 yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter. How about 
So I was kind of looking at some of these throws, and I was like, all right, what did he do? So here you go. This is his first play, right? Gets through the progression. Nice job checking it down to A.J. Dillon. Letting A.J. Dillon go be a tank. Go get you five yards. Not bad for, you know, a young quarterback to go through the whole progression, be patient, say, okay, I'll get it to my check down. Yeah. I thought that was really good. And you can see he went through all of the progression. He went from right to left in the entire field. Yeah, Got yeah, it yeah. to the check down. Okay, goes to the second play. He's patient, looks at, sees what he's got, knows what he wants, gets it to the out route. He's really um, authoritative and the clock, gets the ball the out of his hands, gets the first down. I like this. You can see he's he's processing what's happening pre-snap. He knows where he wants to go before he even gets the ball in his hands. Really good job. Okay. We get to the, the next play. We're going to get a little center. play action here. Look, Ooh, he's, he comes out and he knows, he knows where he wants to get the ball. The backer is sucked up. The safety's trailing. Puts it on Christian Watson in a great spot where Christian Watson can just keep running and eventually scores. Yeah, I remember that actually. Good throw. I mean, put it yeah. right on him so the dude could go score. I thought it was but a really yeah, good job right. coming off the off the play action, really selling the play action, drawing the backers in, putting it on him. It's a good throw. So, in those three clips, did he do anything spectacular? No, but he was but he very did efficient. <laughs> did his job. That's what I'm saying. Here's another drive, kind of 2-minute drill situation. Ooh. Again, finds Christian Watson over the middle. Very good job of, okay, I've got this guy hugged up on Randall Cobb. Let me see it from the behind angle here. Right? This Okay, he's. I know I've got man coverage. Let's get it out. Boom. I'm or glad these are like a nice string of plays because I was nervous I was going to start watching the Eagles D-line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here he goes. He goes to empty. Tries to make the rail ball throw. Doesn't quite complete it, but I like that he's trying the I, throw. I would blame the, the receiver on that one. It hit That's Aaron Jones in the, in the hands, yeah. and you can see it right here. It's a pretty good throw. Like Aaron Jones, yeah. you would expect him to catch that probably six or seven out of ten times. Here he goes empty again. Finds, finds his receiver in the zone. Alan Lazard gets him the ball. A two-minute drill, let's get on the ball, let's roll. He's functionally running the two-minute drill. He's making great decisions, making good throws. Right, this is We're talking like seven throws in a row that have all been great decisions, put the ball in the money, six out of seven completions. The one was essentially a drop. Yeah. Here he goes. Now he's escaping. Ramblin. He's trying to buy time. Seven. Oh, he makes oh. a pretty good throw. Christian Watson couldn't quite make the play for him. But even this, I like seeing this on film. Extending yeah. the play, getting out of the pocket, making something there outside of the structure. We saw seven straight throws within structure. This one's out of structure. Doesn't quite get a little there. sidearm on there. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's he's giving you a little something to be like, oh, okay, maybe something to be excited about. Here you go again. Make a good throw. Get it to Tunyon. Here we go. Let's get up on the ball. Let's go to the next play. I like that. I made the catch, Ref. <laughs> yeah. I like what I'm seeing from Jordan Love on this film. I'm telling you. I think there's some stuff there that makes me say he could be pretty good this year. Much better than the way he ran the, the Chiefs game. Here you go again. Again, creating, buying time. 
makes a throw. Another one where he put it on a guy who could have made a catch. Randall Cobb couldn't quite make the play. This you could argue was, that might be a, a flag. Out of all the plays, this is probably the toughest one for one of his receivers to make. Yeah. But again, running outside of structure, throws it back across his body. Probably not a well-advised throw, but <laughs> put it in there where Randall Cobb had a chance to make that play in the end zone. They end up settling for a field goal. So he gets two fourth quarter drives, scores 10 points. And basically we watched nine throws and he went seven for nine on the throws. And, you know, I mean, or six for nine on the throws. And we would say that the three incompletions were all still like pretty positive. One was a drop. The other two were kind of tough. Like he's trying to make a play in scramble mode and his Uh his receivers can't quite make it, but like it's there. So I really think, um, Jordan Love's got a chance to have a really good first year, full year as a starter. I see a lot of, I, I hate to put this on him, but I see a lot of shades of kind of young Rodgers and, <laughs> and what he did. I, I'm not telling you they're going to go, you know, Brett Favre to Jordan Rodgers again. Yeah, yeah. With this, <laughs> or to, 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 to Aaron Rodgers again. I'm calling him Jordan Rodgers now. Yeah. To Aaron yeah. Rodgers again. But, but I do think Jordan Love's got some stuff to him that I liked when I saw in this film. I thought that was a huge improvement from the Chiefs game to this game. And um, I think in the LaFleur offense, he could be pretty good. Yeah, okay. So I, I kind of realized now, but when I when I made the statement earlier, you were like, all right, I guess that's fair. Like, you don't believe in what I'm telling you. <laughs> and then now that you talked about him in that game, you know, you know. There's a little bit of hope. You sprinkled a little little bit of hope for them. I sprinkled a little bit in there. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Let's go. He were like, hey, this is the first time you haven't really convinced me. And then you you showed me the film and it's like, man. I was like, hey, bro, wait till I show you the film. No, I I see you. You did did the little head nod like, all right, bro, that's what you want to say for sure. You know, they they lost most of their team. Yeah, for sure. I think they could still be pretty good competitive. Yeah. I'm not saying they're a playoff team. I'm not saying they're even over 500. I'm telling you they're eight and nine, but I think that kid Jordan love could be pretty good. Yeah. I, I just looked at the prediction. I, I didn't even realize you had that low. Cause you asked me for this team for the Bears. Sorry for everyone listening. I didn't realize you had them doing basically what I thought the other team was doing before this. Yeah. So we're flip flopped yeah, on them. We're flip flopped on the Bears. I'm big on Packers. Justin Fields, yeah. the, the man right there on the screen. But, All right, uh, yeah, I'm excited the, to talk it. The Bears, the Bears. I gotta say it. They went hmm. three and fourteen last year. Tough, tough year. I mean, they they picked up Chase Claypool in the middle of the year, and you know that didn't really work out. He's been getting clowned on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen those. Yeah, I have seen that. <laughs> but yeah, three and fourteen, not a, res- a recipe to finish anything better than fourth in the division. And of course, you're not making no playoffs at three wins. Yeah, they uh, they lost some key players though in free agency. Um, mm-hmm. David Montgomery and Riley Reef were both really good players that they lost. Um, they're gonna have to find ways to replace those guys. Trevor Simeon at the backup quarterback spot, you know. You probably don't feel that one as much unless Justin Fields gets hurt, <laughs> God forbid. True. And then Nikhil Harry at receiver didn't do a whole lot of anything for him last year, but that's another guy they lost. Yeah. Now, a big addition, obviously. They brought in some big, big, big names. Yeah. Um, DJ, DJ Moore at receiver. Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker. TJ Edwards at linebacker. Uh, or Not Edmonds, but Edwards, sorry. 
Um, yeah, Edmonds and Edwards. That's a tough, tough combo. And Tremaine and TJ. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, at at guard, they brought in Nate Davis, quarterback, backup quarterback, Philip Walker. Um, oh, tight end Robert Tunyon stole him away from the Packers, division yep. rival. And then they just they did some work in the draft. Yeah, they picked up offensive tackle Darnell Wright after trading back and still being able to pick him up. And then they got a D lineman, Jervon Dexter. So they beefed up their O and D line. Pretty huge. Helps, you know, help one on one end protect our guy, Justin Fields, that we I said I like. And, you know, helps maybe even improve the running game a little bit. He he's a right tackle, right? Am I tripping? Yes, yes. He's going to play right tackle for them is what it looks like. Um, they also picked up a couple sneaky names that I like. Tyreek Stevenson is a corner out of uh, Miami that everyone loved at the Senior Bowl. Another guy, another Senior Bowl guy that got a lot of buzz. Um, played really well in the Senior Bowl game too. And then um, running back Roshan Johnson, he's the other Texas running back. that you know Everyone loved B. John and rightfully oh, yeah, so. Yeah. But Roshan Johnson was good too, and they picked him up as well. Um, they also drafted Noah Sewell, who, if you remember, oh, we man. talked about. He was my yeah. fifth best linebacker, mostly because the linebacker class was sort of thin. But um, I, I did like him out of Oregon, yeah. and they got him in the fifth round. So okay. that's another guy there. And then they drafted a D lineman, Zach Pickens, as another guy. So I do think they got some good value with some of the guys they drafted. Yeah, and the people who made those decisions were looking at general manager Ryan Poles, uh, head coach Matt Eberflus, offensive coordinator Luke Getze, and D coordinator Alan Williams. I will say these dudes had some more simple names, but you know, <laughs> the, the other half of it was kind of tough, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they come in offensively at left tackle. They bring back Braxton Jones, Larry Borum behind him, left guard Tevin Jenkins. Pretty good player. Center, Cody Whitehair, Whitehair, another pretty good player. Right guard, Nate Davis and Jatire Carter. And then at right tackle, Darnell Wright and uh, Alex Leatherwood, if you remember him from uh, Las Vegas, backing him up. So decent uh, O-line depth. I like Jenkins, Whitehair, and and Darnell Wright. So I think offensively, you know, overall, I think I like their offensive line. I think they got better, um, especially adding Darnell Wright. Obviously, mm-hmm. a quarterback, Justin Fields is the dude. PJ Walker backing him up. Everyone's projecting Justin Fields to have a much better year this year. Um, I think he will too, actually. Mostly because of that guy they added at receiver, and I'll get to him in yeah, a second. Yeah. But <laughs> a running back, you know, you've got Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman. They added in free agency, and then Roshan Johnson, who I mentioned, they added in the draft. At receiver, DJ Moore. At the X with uh, Equinamius St. Brown backing him up. At tight end, they bring back Cole Komet, and then Robert Tunyon comes in as well to give them two tight ends for real. Um, In the slot, they've got Darnell Mooney and Tyler Scott, and then at the Z receiver, Chase Claypool, who you talked about, is now being made fun of on social media. (laughs) Um, He may not be a reason for Justin Fields' success, if you believe some of the uh, numbers out there right now. We'll see. At the edge, Demarcus Walker, Rasheem Green. Inside, Andrew Billings, Zach Pickens, Justin Jones, uh, Jervin Dexter Sr. And then at the other edge, Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson. I would say that the Bears up front do not have a lot of recognizable names. Yep. 
Um, my thought was right there in that. Example. Yeah. Uh, I think there's good players. there. not great is what I would say. They're good mm-hmm. players. Um, I think the bears are not making their money up front where they're going to make their money this year is at linebacker with TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, Jack Sanborn, Noah Sewell backing them up. I think they have one of the better linebacking cores in the league now with those additions. At the slot corner, you got Kyler Gordon. At the uh, outside corners, Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson, who I mentioned they got out of Miami in the draft. Terrell Smith backing them up. Safety, Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker have been pretty good there for a few years now. And then uh, Kendall Williamson backing them up. Yeah, I had a quick question. Do you think this is kind of like not anything significant, but do you think that Noah Sewell would – like kind of transition to an edge rusher as opposed to backer, or would you keep him at backer to have more depth? Um, I think I would probably keep him at backer just because his hips are really tight. Uh-huh. Um, and if you want a guy rushing the passer on that edge, unless, you know, that could have changed, but just on film, his hips, the film I watched, his hips were really tight, so he yeah. doesn't turn the edge as well. And oh, okay. so that just isn't a great recipe to, for you to be this this awesome pass rusher. He's really like – if he had played in 2001, he's like the perfect linebacker because he's just <laughs> he's such a downhill old school dude. Yeah, um, who can play? He can zone drop a little bit, but like where he struggles is like you play him in man or if you mm-hmm. want him to pass rush and stuff like that. So I just don't think that's really his deal, and that's why he was kind of like my fifth best guy. Remember when yeah, we talked yeah. about that and why I saw some deficiencies in his game? But no, again, if if you're playing a run heavy team, you know, go put that guy in there. Like he, he'll be a guy who can play against, you know, like the Eagles. You're going to see a lot of run, Yeah, (laughs) you know, or I'm trying to think of the, the run heavy teams in the league right now, but um, probably the Niners or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of that old school downhill kind of guy. So the the Titans, they're really, yeah, I was going to say they're really, like I said, the Eagles, but even the Eagles, we've talked about their offense. They're not just like they're downhill dynamic. run. Yeah, they're di- they do a <laughs> lot. So there's not really an old school run team nowadays. But um, yeah, yeah. So the schedule for the Bears, as we talked about in the last screen, they play the Packers Week One. Except obviously they're going to be at home, being that we're talking about them. They go to Tampa Bay Week Two, playing the Bucks on the road. Like I said, the AFC West playing this division just doesn't sound fun. They got to go out to Arrowhead and play the Chiefs week three. Then they get Denver at home, so that's a little bit better than most of their counterparts. Week five, they go out to Washington. See, now that sounds like a good game. I I know they had it last year. I believe it was also Thursday night as it is this year. Mm -hmm. So that that sounds really fun. Week six, they got the Vikings uh, at home. They also got the Raiders week seven at home. And then, you know, they got to travel out to L.A. on a Sunday night game. That doesn't sound fun. It could be really interesting. Who knows? But I Sunday night, primetime, that's just not where you want to be playing a team like the Chargers. Uh, tough stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it, it is. is. A little preview. Week 9, they got the Saints on the road. So they go out to New Orleans, play the Saints. Week 10, a little bit easier than most of the games that we talked about. They're playing the Panthers at home on a Thursday night game. They actually have a decent amount of games on primetime considering they went 3-14 and 14 last year. Yeah. 
Week 11 and 12, they're on the road, so they'll be in Detroit week 11. Week 12, they got the Vikings on a Monday night game. That doesn't sound fun. But you get a little bit more time to prepare, I guess. Week 13 leads them into their bye. Week 13. Let's see, week 14 coming. Huh? (laughs) It'll be a much-needed bye, I think, at that point. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Week 14, they play the Lions at home. And then following that game, they got the Browns in Cleveland. That's a, a team that we haven't seen checking out this whole division. So that's interesting. Should be fun. Week 16, they get the Cardinals, you know, a little bit easier on them too, being that they also finished last. Uh, week 17, they got the Falcons at home. And then they close out on the road, like we said. They got the bookends of the Packers. So I mentioned it while you were talking, but like week eight through 12, weeks eight uh-huh. through 12 is they have yeah, four road, road games, game, four road games in five weeks, three um, primetime prime. games, two of those on the road, you know, so they're just, their schedule is going to be all messed up for those, those five weeks. Like you got to fly on the road. You got to play three games on different primetime nights. So you have a yeah. Sunday night, a every, Thursday every night, a Monday night. Primetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like so. You got to go on the road for Sunday night. Then you got to go on the road for the Saints. Then you got to go back home for Thursday night. Then you got to go on the road for the Lions. Then you got to go on the road to Minnesota for a Monday night. And that's mm-hmm. why I said that bye week is going to be so important because they're just. I mean, I think by that point they could just be like, okay, just get us to the bye. You know, like just we need a week <laughs> yeah. to stay home. And then I would say coming out of the bye is their easiest stretch where they, yeah, you know, they get the three out of the last five at home, the Lions, the Cardinals, and the Falcons all at home. Now they do have two kind of tough, you know, sort of winter road games at Cleveland and at Green Bay, mm-hmm. but um, against two opponents that I think I predicted both those teams to be right around 500, you know, eight and nine. So two opponents where they may, may potentially be able to beat them. Um, so. In general, um, you know, the schedule is not grueling, but there are some tough games on there. There's that tough stretch, plus I would say, you know, having to go to the Chiefs is a is a Definitely. tough game as well, obviously, on the schedule. So um, I, I have them going 5-12. and 12. You know, this may be a, one of the few times where I'm looking at it and I'm like, hmm, maybe I give them an extra game or two. Maybe I actually think they're better <laughs> than 5-12. and 12. It's kind of yeah. just... If you pick all the games, someone has to not be good. True. You know, so even if you're like, oh, I like the Bears, I kind of like what they're doing, and I like Justin Fields, and it's like, well, then, like, do you like them more than this team? And you're like, well, maybe not. And so if you pick all the games that way, eventually you end up with someone being probably worse than you even think. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're even, yeah. I'm even looking, I'm like, ah, oh, five and 12, I feel like it's a little low for them. But when I picked all the games, this is kind of how it went. So I like the Bears. I don't think 5-12 and 12 reflects that as much as maybe yeah, I like yeah. them. But they are still a young team. Uh, Fields is still coming into mm-hmm. his own. And I think as much as I want to like their defense. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That that might be still kind of the tough part for them. And that might be why I'm kind of – I've got them sitting at 5-12. and 12. Yeah. So I After do think talk be- about them. Oh fun God. to watch with Fields, though. That's why yeah. they got these primetime games. That's the Justin Fields effect. Four <laughs> primetime games because he got Fields. You know, he's he is electric. Yeah. I will say, when you were talking about the defense, 
you know, I I wasn't sold. I was like, I don't know any of these dudes. It sounds like we're talking all rookies <laughs> out here. Like, granted, I don't want to put, I don't want to make it sound that mean, but like, if you tell me who, you know, name one, I don't even. Okay, it goes back to the first name thing. Like, I don't know who, any of those dudes' names off of off the top of my head, or even like possibly have heard it. You know, so that's already not something good for that seven and ten. I had them going. I will say, if if they're winning, it's probably a shootout. You know, Justin Fields has to light up the stage and win one down the stretch. Because I don't know how I feel about that defense. But we talked about it earlier with the receiver core. You know, they got a new dude in town. How do you feel that him, a.k.a. DJ Moore, helps his offense improve from what they were doing last year? Well, I think, obviously... DJ Moore is just a really talented player. You look at his career, he's been over a thousand yards three out of his five years. He went uh, 888 yards and seven touchdowns last year, um, playing with a bunch of different quarterbacks. So didn't quite get to a thousand, but like really close, had the most touchdowns he's ever had in his career with three different quarterbacks playing Philip Walker, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Like that's pretty impressive in itself. The year before that, he had 1,100 yards, four touchdowns. The year before that, he had nearly 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. The year before that, had nearly 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. And then his rookie year, 788 yards, two touchdowns. So basically since his rookie year, he's like a walking 1,000-yard receiver. <laughs> yeah. um, even with a million different quarterbacks throwing him the ball, you know, a revolving door quarterback yeah. essentially. Um, he's, just, he, he's just a production machine. The Bears didn't have – this is a stat that sounds fake but is not. The Bears didn't have a tight end or a receiver over 600 yards receiving last year. That's crazy. Makes sense though. I they had, literally – they didn't have any guys who caught more than 500-something yards passing. That's wild. I mean, I believe it. I had Mooney on my fantasy team, and I had to get rid of him because he wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, they've only had – Three 1,000 yard receivers over the course of the last six years. Brandon there are teams Marshall. who have had three 1,000 yard receivers in in two years. You know, like they've had multiple guys do it in in a single year. You know, uh-huh. so they've only had three 1,000 yard receivers over the course of the last six years. I mean, oh, I um, two of those guys were Allen Robinson, and one was Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney. So that that's sense. that's it. Um, DJ Moore gives them a, both a vertical threat as well as a like legitimate number one receiver that they lacked last season with the departure of Allen Robinson. Um, you watch DJ Moore's tape, just picked out a game, you know, um, that I liked from him with the Falcons game last year. You see him, he plays all over the place. Here he is at the bottom of the screen on this play. He just does so much. They're really trying to double him. They're keeping the safety over the top. He gets over the middle. Philip Walker throws a strike here, by the way, who's also coming over with him to Chicago as the backup. So if he has to play, you know they've got some chemistry. But throws a strike. He just gets in the teeth of the defense in the middle, makes everything look like a vertical. He's so good at that because he's so fast. People are scared of his speed. Here he is now in the slot with the stack, releases outside to come back in, just breaks yeah, that safety nice. off. Oh, and he's just out in the open field running. Great play. You can see it really well from this angle. I just releases outside to get this guy moving. And then you can see him come back into the picture. Across his face. Yeah. 
really sick little uh, two-man route concept, actually, over there. Now he's at the top of the screen, back to the outside, a condensed split. He's going to get mm-hmm. outside of a corner who's outside leverage on the super deep <laughs> out route, like the 15-yard out. Yeah, that's That's impressive to work that guy so well that he had leverage on you and you were still able to beat him across his face and get your feet in bounds. Again, nice throw by Philip Walker, by the way. Found myself impressed with Philip Walker on some of these throws. Now you can get him the screen. He can go turn that into five yards. Despite like zero blocking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was trying to create for himself for sure. Obviously, this Carolina offense was not fantastic last year and you can start seeing why. But DJ Moore was not one of those reasons why. He was... He was the reason they were doing anything, really. Here he goes again. Now he's at the bottom of the screen, outside receiver. So he moves around a lot, which is awesome. Runs the deep, deep in cut. Again, gets the ball. Now he's eating. He's signaling first down. You know, you can feel it. He's feeling himself. Yep, keeping it rolling. Again, Philip Walker's like, where's my guy? Give him the ball. (laughs) Get Get him the ball. He's eating right now. Now, at the end of the game, here's the Hail Mary throw. I mean, come on. Double coverage. He gets behind the guys. It's literally a Hail Mary. The ball. Tie the game. Literally a Hail Mary to tie the game. Again, what a ball, yes. But also, DJ Moore is just a dude for making this play. (laughs) In double coverage. Yeah. You can't guard me. That's a that's the uh, I'm him moment right that's there. Nice. That's so nice. that's what we need to start doing. The I'm him moment of the week. We're gonna oh, do that this yeah, year. Yeah, we gotta add that. <laughs> that's gonna be a new award. The I'm him. The I'm him award of the week. We're gonna start doing that. Um, that definitely would have got that award for the that week uh, last year. But yeah, DJ Moore, I think, just adds another element to this offense that they just really haven't had a whole lot with Justin Fields there. So yeah. hopefully this, this helps Justin Fields elevate his game. That's for sure, especially in the receiving game. Because, I mean, he had yeah. to do most of his stuff with his legs when they were, you know, going into pass, passing routes. But who knows, man? This is, this is going to be a tough division all um, around. In general, I just, just to recap, we both have the Lions winning the division. Yeah. At ten and seven. We don't think this division's gonna be crazy because we have a team winning it at ten and seven. <laughs> then I have Packers, Vikings, Bears. You have Vikings, Bears, Packers. Yeah. Do I have that right? They got us stumped, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. it is. Yeah. So we're both very clearly split on the other three teams. Yeah. But they the have Lions all of them. Yeah, we both like the Lions to win it, and then after that, we're kind of unsure. Yeah, mm-hmm. seems yeah. like it. Well, you know, yeah, I'm just it's NFC North, man. It's uh, it should be an interesting year. We're, we're at a loss of words for the NFC North because we don't know what's going on <laughs> over there. <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got to get to the banger of the week, huh? Close this yeah. out. What you got for us? All right, so I've got uh, I've got TV for you today. Oh, TV category. Okay. So I got to give some props 
Um, not sure if a lot of people have it still or what, but like Apple TV. Oh. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of HBO. Have yeah. Yeah, HBO yeah, has just had a run. HBO's had a run since like last August where they just always had something on TV that was good. Yeah. You know, whether it was House of the Dragon, White Lotus, Last of Us, Last Succession. of Us, Succession, Barry. Like they've just they've just been killing it, right? They've just been yeah. TV show to TV show to TV show to TV show. Unbelievable. They've been dominating Sunday nights. Um, yeah. but I have to give some credit where credit is due. Apple TV has got some really good stuff on there right now. Um, I'm watching currently. I'm watching a show called The Silo, which is okay. fantastic. It's like a post uh, dystopian, you know, post apocalyptic kind of dystopian oh. thriller kind of deal. Um, classic, like you know, fascist regime. You fight the power. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, also watch another show called city on fire pretty good like kind of murder mystery sort of deal okay um another show that actually i was kind of late to the party on actually released like a year ago but it's pretty good it's called severance um pretty good also have a couple other shows on there shrinking platonic that are both pretty funny yeah so they just have like it's just clear that they've spent a lot of money to get some of these people yeah, to do yeah. these shows, but these shows are good. Like I'm, I'm impressed. I'm kind of on your pick over there then, huh? Yeah. I'm kind of on Apple TV right now. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. Uh, the only yeah. thing I know about over there is our guy, Ted Lasso. And I heard that the oh, last Ted Lasso. season, newest season isn't really the business, which okay, I can't attest to because I don't have Apple TV anymore. The newest season compared to the first two seasons kind of went up and down. Oh, yeah, it was a little yeah. choppy, but it finished real strong. Okay. So that's good. So I liked it. Yeah. Finished strong, which is all that matters. Um, so yeah, Apple TV. Check it out if you don't uh if you don't already subscribe. Yeah. I I will say I, I have been away for some time. I don't I haven't gotten to see that third season as I just mentioned, so who knows? Maybe maybe I have to pick it back up. But uh, I I I got Paramount Plus like a week ago, so I've been over there watching Ink Masters. That's what I've been. Ink Master, out. yeah, yeah <laughs> great yeah. show, great show, very very entertaining. I agree. <laughs> All right, but we made it to that time of the show where we got our guy, the one, the only, Ray Riley. But before that, my bad. I you know comment, subscribe. We got all those good things. You know, come Make back sure next tell week. Tell us what you want. Yeah, next week we're rolling. AFC West. Yeah. Oh, we've got left AFC and NFC West. Dang, we're two more of these, and then we could free it up a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big things coming though, for sure. Big things. We got Ray Ray dropping the album. Did you see that? He's dropping an album. I did see that. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to him. I'm excited to listen. I might try to make that that party. Honestly, you should. Should live stream from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, our guy Ray Ray taking us out. Hopefully, we'll have some new music from him. Y'all have a good night or day, wherever you are at the moment.
so I'm steady vibing. I be feeling myself, but man, I can't stop it. I'm killing myself. Cause every time I see Shotty, I'm choking up to the plate. I wonder if I approach it, she gon' throw me some plate. Don't get me wrong, see, I'm confident. But some about it that's got me slipping like a slide. Probably the eyes, and I ain't even trying to get between thighs. It's just something I ain't used to. Way out of the usual. Ain't part of my resume, but I gotta demonstrate something that's kind of different to go and get her attention. Don't see her all the time, but I gotta mention. When she come around, I'm in a different dimension. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan. Play my song, it's a part of the plan. Up late nights, I be lurking through the cram. Gotta find a way to make you call me your man. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan. Damn. Every time I see her at school, I'm like, damn. Her, she broke it off with a man. I'm like, yeah, I'm in it. I got a shot. Cruising down the block. Wifey material, she ain't partying a lot. I heard you like to sing. Oh, word, me too. I mean, I can't sing, but I would go and sing with you. Make it a little thing. I'm just right with a dream. Heavy with seduction. I'm thinking wedding rings. I mean it. Me and you running the town. I seen it. No, I ain't making noise. My rule is scenic. Hold my hand through the grind. By my side when I shine. Telling you my vision. I'm one you to be mine, uh. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan, play my song, it's all part of the plan, up late nights, I be lurking through the grand, gotta find a way to make you call me your man, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you a fan, I'm hoping you a fan. I know you don't know me, but just know I know you. I get choked up when I see you at school. I try to play it cool, so I went and wrote a rhyme. Some kind of smooth, I hope you hear it this time. Play my song, it's all part of the plan. Up late nights, I be lurking through the gram. Gotta find a way to make you call me your man. I'm hoping you a fan. <laughs>